Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 hey good afternoon and welcome ladies and gentlemen this is gino geraci so glad you could join me on the program crosswalk with gino geraci if you've noticed that i've sort of lowered an octave in my voice i think that i have not because I'm trying to do this on purpose to try and have a radio voice. It's just because there's probably something wrong with me. So I, I'm doing the program today, but and you're welcome to call me, 303-873-1935. Um, this is Crosswalk, and of course we call the program Crosswalk because it really is the intersection of Christian faith and Christian living. <clears throat> if you'd like to join me on the program again, the number is 303-873-1935. This is a program where we talk about, well, God. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about world views and world religions. We talk about passages in the Bible. And if you'd like to join me or you have a question about a Bible passage, by all means, pick up the phone, dial the number 303 303- And of course, this is the program where we talk about history. We also talk about prophecy. But again, the focus is on, well, the Bible and the historical Jesus. So one of the things that I'd like to talk about today is that great big subject of the gospel. What is the gospel? And so Again, even though I'm going to be talking about the gospel, I do want to encourage you to call 303-873-1935. Producer Jim is standing by to take your call, and we're happy to try and get your call on the program, 303-873-1935. And as you can imagine, that word gospel is a big word. We think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the Gospels. And the word gospel, by the way, literally means good news. And it occurs 93 times in the Bible, exclusively in the New Testament, in the Greek language. It's the word eugelion, from which we get our English words, evangelist or evangel or evangelical. So the gospel is broadly speaking the whole of the scripture. More narrowly, it is the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. And of course, the key to understanding the gospel, the gospel is to know why it is good news. And so yesterday, I I sort of hinted at that. In order to understand the good news, we have to kind of come to grips with the bad news. 
So many things in life have good news, and some things have bad news. The entire truth is generally found in a combination of the both. Emphasizing the one at the exclusion of the other isn't the whole truth. And the same is true of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The bad news, spiritually speaking, is that we are sinners deserving of hell. And by hell, I mean that place of judicial punishment for rebellion against God. Remember, the Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. So the bad news, of course, is that we deserve to be punished for our sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul writes that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans six twenty-three, of course, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the idea then is that our sin has kept us from God's presence and eternal life. No one can earn his or her way into the presence of God because there's none righteous. Romans 3.10, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Our best human efforts to please God, according to the Bible, are as filthy rags. That's a reference to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, where it says, we've all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So some evangelists and street preachers will focus exclusively on that aspect of God's truth, which we would consider the bad news approach. <clears throat> but the good news is that God loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us and that he's communicated that in a variety of different ways. And so the Old Testament law was given to Israel during the time of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1 where it says, Moses summoned Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. So the law was thought of as a measuring stick, and a sin, and a sin is anything that falls short of that perfect measure or what fails to meet that standard. And so the righteous requirement of the law is so stringent that no human being could possibly follow it perfectly, both in letter and in spirit. So despite our goodness or badness relative to each other, we're all in the same spiritual boat. We've all sinned. And the punishment for our sin is de death. That is separation from God, who is the source of life, the creator of life the giver of life. So in order for us to go to heaven, God's dwelling place and dwell in the realm of life and light, sin has to be removed. 
it has to be paid for. It has to be dealt with. And so the law establishes the fact that cleansing from sin can only happen through the sacrifice, not just any kind of a sacrifice, but a sacrifice that's bloody. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the writer of Hebrews says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Now, that in and of itself creates, quote unquote, a problem with so many people because they wonder, why is that? Why does sacrifice require blood? And because the Bible says, because life is in the blood and the blood becomes a kind of type and picture of life. And so the gospel involves the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary as the sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement. Under the law, animal sacrifices were offered year after year as a reminder of sin and as a symbol of the coming sacrifice of Christ. So when Jesus offers himself at Calvary, symbol becomes substance. Symbol becomes a reality for everyone who will believe. The work of atonement is finished. And that, my friends, is the good news. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We've been talking about, well, the gospel. And happy to take your call, 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. If ever you've wanted to call in, now would be a great time to do it. The gospel involves the death of Jesus on the cross, but guess what? So when, when we think about the good news, there's an element in which the Old Testament is involved because it's in the Old Testament that the law reveals God's standard and human beings' failure to live up to that standard. And then the gospel involves the death of Jesus on the cross and the sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement. In Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. Now, again, the way that I would think about it is Paul is going to argue that no one, no one, no one has ever became right with God by living a perfect life because no one has lived that perfect life. So fast forward, not just to his death, but to his resurrection because the gospel involves the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. 
In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So he's not delivered over to death because people misunderstood him and misunderstood his ministry. He, his death wasn't either a social, cultural, civilizational, what's the word I'm looking for? Mistake. There was intention. According to the scripture, he was delivered over to death for sins. And then he was raised to life for our justification. And so was he raised to life in order to authenticate his identity and his message? I think so. But according to Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, who was delivered up for our trespasses and then raised for our justification. The idea being that the resurrection of Jesus has in part provided the reality for our justification. And if you don't know what that word justification means, it means it means having a right relationship with God in the sense that now there's a satisfying solution to the problem of sins. One old person said, it's like just as if I had never sinned. Justification is the fact that God is satisfied with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So the fact that Jesus conquers sin and death, that's sin's penalty, well, that's also good news. And the fact that he offers to share that victory with us is the greatest news of all. And in John chapter 14, verse 19, we read, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. This is Jesus. He says, Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. Again, the most surprising thing in part about the resurrection of Jesus is justification for sin, but also authentication of a promise that Christians, Christians, people who have put their trust in Jesus will in fact come to life. And so if you've ever struggled, if you've ever struggled, if you've ever struggled with what happens when I die, what's going to happen to me when I die, will I be okay? Will I go to heaven? Of course, that question is answered by, well, tell me, what you believe about the gospel. Tell me what you believe about the good news and have you received Christ? 303-873-1935. That's the number <clears throat> if you want to join me on the program. And again, I got open lines. 303-873-1935. And, you know, yesterday was, uh, we normally have Tough Question Tuesday. And I know for many of you, you're probably wondering, well, what happened to Tough Question Tuesday? Well, I'm going to make a little bit of an exception on this uh, Wednesday 
that you can call me and you can ask me whatever you want. 303-873-1935, even if it's a tough question. So I talked about that, again, in order to understand the gospel, in order to understand the good news, you have to understand the bad news. I've talked about how the gospel involves the death of Jesus on the cross as a sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement because human beings are sinners by nature and by choice. And so the elements of the gospel are clearly stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses 3 through 6. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses 3 through 6, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance or chief importance, or the idea being at the top of the list of things to make sure that you understood this is the most important. He said, what I also received. He said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Kephas or Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Some scholars have suggested that it was at his ascension into heaven that a crowd had gathered, and all of them testified to the reality that it was Jesus. And so, um, that key passage for what I received, I passed on to you. It's when Paul uses that term received the gospel and then passed it on the idea that this is a divine message. This is not a man-made invention. And so, I'm also going to suggest to you that if what Paul received in that passage and passed on in that passage is something less than what is communicated, that for all intents and purposes, that that's probably not the gospel. So the gospel is something divine, not man-made. And second, the gospel is of chief or first importance. Everywhere the, the apostles went, they preached the crucifixion and the resurrection of, of Jesus. So I understand that I've got somebody on the line, uh, Jim, but we're coming up on a break. Um, just quickly, the message of the gospel was accompanied by proofs. He died for our sins. That's burial. He rose, proved by the eyewitnesses. Or all of this was done according to the scriptures. So this isn't just a faith proposition. It's rooted, grounded, connected in history. This is Gina Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gina Geraci. So glad you could join me. The number is 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Steve, welcome to the program. 
Yeah, hi, Gino. Thanks. Hey, um, you're welcome. Hey, I'm trying to bring together a couple of truths. Yesterday you were talking about uh, judgment and believers giving an account of everything right. we've done. Uh, and then today you're teaching about justification just as if we never sinned. And I'm trying to – I've always had trouble, you know, what is judgment for the believer going to be like if we are – if we've been justified. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that for a second, because let's try and make this as simple as possible without oversimplifying. Yeah, I need simple. Okay. So let's go with simple. Justify (laughs) is to declare righteous. In other words, justification is where God pronounces the sinner, not guilty of sin. So the, so justification is, is different, if you will, from the judgment seat of Christ, which is an account of your life. So in other words, that judgment isn't a judgment of punishment, but a judgment of reward. So let me use a different example. Imagine, now now I'm going to suggest to you that that doesn't mean that, um, that it's going to be all fun and games at the judgment seat of Christ, where it says in second Corinthians five ten, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So is it possible that, that, that the believer is going to receive reward? And, and the answer is yes. So let me give you a different example. Imagine Life is like the Olympics, and Steve, you are going to go to the Olympics, and you're going to represent your country in the Olympics. Now, let's say there's 150 nations represented in the Olympics, and let's say there's a gold, and there's a silver, and there's a bronze medal. But Steve doesn't get in first place or second place or third place. He doesn't even get in fifth place or tenth place or twentieth place or even fiftieth place. That's true. Is there honor in just being able to go? Yes. There is. Yes. Is there more honor if you get a gold medal or yes. a silver medal or a bronze medal? So I'm going to suggest to you that this has more to do with the presence or the absence of rewards. So at the judgment seat of Christ for the believer, for the believer, I'm not talking about the make believer and I'm not talking about the unbeliever. I am right. talking about the the person who has truly trusted God and have have received Christ that Jesus that God has judged our sins in Christ. So at at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be rewarded or we are going to suffer loss based on how we faithfully served Jesus. Based, so some of the things we might be judged on is whether or not we obeyed the Great Commission, you know, going to the world to make disciples, how victorious we were over sin, how well we controlled our tongues, whether we slapped somebody on an international stage. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing okay. about that one. But, yeah. but here's, here's my idea or the idea of the Bible. The Bible speaks of believers receiving crowns for different things based on how they faithfully served Jesus. 
And so those crowns are described in different places in the Bible. Uh, but, but the way that I would think about a summary is that when the Bible says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. I'm going to suggest to you that some people are going to go to heaven with the smell of smoke coming from their pants. Okay. Well, you're laughing, but you understand my point. My my point is they're saved. They're saved. But is it possible that saved people can experience little reward other than their salvation because of the inconsistent life that they live. Now, I'm not suggesting even for a moment um, that we should live an inconsistent life. What I'm, what I'm saying is that there seems to be good evidence that the saint who is justified is justified. You're saved. You're going, you're going to go to heaven. But once you get there, the quality of your life there might be different from the quality of somebody else who literally um, is given a reward that's different from your reward. Yeah. And you might be content to say, you know what? If I'm going to heaven instead of hell, that's reward enough for me. <laughs> right. But for for others, they might say, you know what? I'm, I, I want to be obedient, not in order to get a reward, because I'm just sick and tired of being disobedient. Right. Or I I want to understand whatever gift and calling God has placed on my life, and then I want to exercise it. Well, is yeah. there going to be a reward for that? I think so. This is the whole idea of gold and silver versus wood, hay, and stubble, the things that are that are going to be tried by fire. So, yes. so I, I think that's what's yeah. going to happen. You're going, there, there's going to be a purge. Now, I'm not talking about purgatory like in the Catholic sense. Right. What I'm talking about is an evaluation where now your life, you, you're going to come to this dramatic conclusion or evaluation. I, I did... I I really honored the Lord, or I didn't honor the Lord, or I was inconsistent in honoring the Lord. I think it's it's the story of all believers. Yeah, and that the way you're putting it is much more hopeful for a believer on that day of judgment. I'm I'm carrying things around that are, you know, much more negative. Like, praise God, you know, for justification. I just don't want to be at that judgment and still trying to explain all of my sins. No, because that's been, that's been forgiven. So yeah, there's, there's a verdict of not guilty. That's already been rendered. You've already received a not guilty verdict. Praise the Lord. So, so now that you've got the not guilty verdict, the big question now becomes, Hey, we should begin to begin to think about as we move through our life and, and, and we're going to come to the last day of our life. You and I are going to wake up in heaven one day 
it, it'll be the last day that we have coffee or tea. It'll be the last day that we have breakfast. It'll be the last day that we kiss our loved ones. We're gone. We are G-O-N-E gone. We have now entered into our reward or right. the lack thereof. And so yeah. I can't, I can't in any way make the passage in Romans go away for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I can't for a moment believe that that's not true. So it, I think it's supposed to give you a healthy respect. It's supposed yeah. to give you a healthy respect where you go, am I living my life in such a way that that I, I, I'm going to be able to look at Jesus on that day and and be okay with that? <laughs> it's, it's hard to ever... It's hard to ever say that you're living that way. I mean, it's it's hard to ever say, look at my life and say, yeah, uh, pretty happy with the way. I'm. No, I, you know, you never, you never get to that point. You're never right. Happy and with- and so maybe maybe the point would become, could I could I be a little more faithful today? Could I control my tongue a little bit more today? Can I be kind today? Can I do something good and kind and decent and God-honoring today? I appreciate that. Hey, thank you for your call. I got to go. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Susan. Welcome to the program. Hello, Gino. Hello, Susan. My call. So just to elaborate on this last caller, I, I, I consider myself a seasoned believer, but, you know, we're always concerned about our rewards. And mine uh-huh. pertains um, to the issue um, of abortion. I was awake uh, two o'clock in the morning the other morning, and I sent a letter to the governor uh, in regard to hoping that he would not sign this bill that just passed, um, the RE, whatever it is. Sure. I I'm, I talked with uh, Dr. Doug Grotice about this when they were, when it was in committee and it passed along party lines, it went to the legislature, it has passed. I, and I hope and pray, you know, God knows that that God can control the heart of the king, so to speak. But we yeah. have every reason to believe that this governor, who has repeatedly embraced a culture of death, will in fact sign the bill. And we will have the most wicked law in the country concerning abortion. Women will be able to kill their child at any time for any reason or no reason at all. And what makes this bill even more perilous, it can never be challenged and incorporated into the language of the bill is, Oh, by the way, and you can't change this. This is going to be like the law of the Medes and the Persians. This is going to be like Daniel in the lion's den where the the King sends Daniel into the lion's den and, and he knows it's a mistake. He knows it's wrong, but What's what's been done has been done, and they're going to throw him into that pit, and only a supernatural miracle 
is going to keep babies alive in this state. I, w- I wish I didn't sound so bad about it, but I, I just feel like we are, we are, we're in trouble. I don't know how else to say it. Well, I'm just absolutely sick about it. Um, I have really tried to advocate in behalf of that short of just standing out, you know, holding up a picket sign and showing up at the Capitol. I didn't, I didn't do that, but I'm just hoping that just me trying to make contact to the governor through an email that will probably go into cyberspace, um, is will make a difference I hope as you're right. far as my reward is concerned because I wasn't out there necessarily in the trenches, but I I did that trusting God with the results of it. And so I guess my question in regard to that, based on the last caller, you know what, I, I hope and pray that that counts for something because I feel so helpless. Well, you and know what, I, I'm thinking of... Susan, I'm thinking of a passage. It's in 2 Timothy 2.5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know what? You don't get in unless you enter into the competition. And, and by the way, I'm not saying that doing good is a competition. What I am saying is doing good is a good thing. Doing good is a good thing. And and again, God knows. God knows your motives. God knows what you've done. I suspect that every person who pleads for the life of the unborn, every person who pleads for the salvation of their children and their grandchildren, the Bible says that, that the fervent effectual prayers of the righteous avail much. What you yeah. say and do matters. It does matter. And so, yeah, I think you've hit on maybe one of the most important principles ever. And that is when the devil whispers in your ear, your prayers are meaningless. Your email is meaningless. Uh, The wicked slide is going to continue and there's nothing that you can do about it. I'm going to suggest to you that that's a lie and that every prayer that you pray, every email that you send, every tear that you shed is collected in a bottle in heaven and is known by God. Well, amen. And I I believe I know that. Maybe I just needed to hear that because this is not something that I've broadcasted. I'm, I don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, so to speak, regarding this. Of course, my husband knows. I, you know, showed him what I sent. And, and, I, and I was very cordial and as loving as I knew how to be, but I, I hit some real serious points regarding our governor because I'm I'm kind of a sh- straight shooter kind of person. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes go for the juggler, and I sort of did that. And I did it for the sole purpose not only to advocate for the unborn, but just to point out some things regarding, you know, certain behaviors and lifestyles without literally saying that, but, you know, if you're smart, you can read the fine sure. read between the lines. And so that's what I, I, I just did that just to bring out a point, because this thing is not about rights. It's about righteousness. And there are some things, even though it's passed by law, does not make it right. It just doesn't make it right. And, and you know, we just have to 
we just, I don't know what we need to be, but that that's what I did. I, I just woke up, and I just felt so compelled. I Even though it may not go anywhere, it'll probably, of course, I got an, uh, an email back, you know, thanking me for that, an ungenerated or whatever they call it, email. So he might get it one day. I did the same thing, you know, with President Obama when he first <laughs> went into office. It took months, and I mm-hmm. finally got a, a response back on a postcard. So I, I know somebody reads it. But it may not be the person that you actually send it to. Uh, and, it's, you know, it, it may be the case with this. But you know what? God does know. I trust him with the results of it. I just felt like I did it because I needed to do my part. If there were none other than just sending an email um, with the link that was sent, you know, through, um, you know, through the sources that are out there to, you know, to try to make contact with with your governing officials, so we'll see. But thank you for um, for responding well, to that. Well, you are welcome. And you know, again, you you already know this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin Absolutely. is a reproach. And I I've constantly said the government's job is to promote righteousness and to restrict wickedness. And so just like we're going to be, you know, I've been talking about the judgment seat of Christ for you and for me, for individuals, but I suspect that there is going to be a judgment of the nations and, yeah, and the I leaders. Yeah, and I pointed that out in the letter, uh, in addition to, and it just came back to mind, in addition to, um, you know, reminding him that if I heard correctly, that I believed that him and his partner, I refuse to say husband because marriage is between a man and a woman, but suggesting that uh, I believe you and your partner were looking in terms of either surrogate or adopting children. Children, babies fund humanity. And so why would, if that were in fact the case, why is it okay, you know, for you to... Uh, be able to bring a child into this world, not by your own means, but by the means of either adoption or, or, or through a surrogate, what, what's, what's the difference with that? So I don't know. I would hope even. Well, you know, again, I think, I, I think the way that, again, our culture and our society thinks it's mean spirited, that, that it's mean spirited to say every child should have a mother and a father. Yeah. And that's that's a meaningful statement, that a mother is not a father and a father is not a mother. Absolutely That every not. child should have a mother and a father. And just saying that out loud is going to be perceived by some people as to be narrow, bigoted, and hateful. But you and I know I that's not what we I mean. I don't care. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you. Don't ask me because I'm going to tell you, and I don't care. We we are being persecuted for what we believe in and, and for the sake and cause of Christ. And if that happens, then I guess I can say I'm doing well, my part. Well, I hope and pray that your email will find and, and prick this governor's heart and that he'll repent and he'll see how evil this bill is. I got to go. Yes.